following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown, good Lord, show me the way. Let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, fathers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown, good Lord, show me the way. ago. Let me tell you the story. It began when a man and a woman by the name of Adam and Eve, the first parents of the human race, they were in a perfect garden, in a paradise. Everything was joyful. Their work was stimulating. There was food to eat. They were blessed abundantly by God. God even came in the cool of the day and walked with them and showed great love for them. But one day there was a serpent, a dragon with wings, and he convinced Eve that God was holding out on her. 
and that she should be able to determine for herself what was right and wrong. She left the presence of God and joined herself and her husband to the dragon. This man and woman were to be the bride of Jesus Christ. They betrayed their bride, their groom. They betrayed him. They sold out. They cheated. And the scriptures tell us that in great mercy, the Lord God of heaven made them a promise. For they were now totally captive. They could not leave this demon power. He made them a promise in Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity, that is, hatred, between you, the devil, the dragon, and the woman, the church, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you, demon, will strike his heel. And then the whole story begins to play out as God begins a gigantic rescue operation for his bride. He finally comes to his people. They called his name Jesus, meaning he shall save his people from their sin. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He was in a manger with the animals, the farm animals. There was no place in the inn for him. His was not to be a life of luxury. His was to be acquainted with sorrows, rejected by men. But he was God. He came and lived among us. He was without sin, born of a virgin. He loved us. Finally, at the age of 30, he began his ministry. He first went to John the Baptist, a cousin that he did not know, who had been dwelling in the desert. And this cousin, sent by God to announce the coming of Messiah, of Jesus, the man, a real man, a person, with feelings and emotions, with a will, perfect, filled with love for you and me. John the Baptist came preaching, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. What's he mean? Well, he means leave your sin, repent, get clean. And so they came, confessing their sins. They were baptized in the Jordan River. I dip my hands in that same Jordan River. And I prayed, O oh God, come one more time. 
come in glory and power. John preached, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What did he mean? He meant, leave your sin. But it was only going to be the blood of Jesus Christ shed at that cross that gave men and women the power to leave their sin. So Jesus comes out of the desert where he has been tempted by the devil and the devil failed. Jesus won every round with Satan. Jesus came preaching and his message was very simple. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. What did he mean? He meant kingdom of heaven, meaning the divine authority of God is ready to be exercised over every person's life, over your life. That's the kingdom of heaven. Repent. What does he mean? He means leave your sin. Leave all of your sin. Don't hold on to any of it. Now, this is called the gospel. Gospel means good news. The good news is that Jesus comes and he causes us to repent of our sin and then he removes all of that sin from our heart and from our lives. He makes us clean. Now, as Jesus begins to walk beside the Sea of Galilee, that beautiful body of water, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were disciples of John the Baptist. And he invited them to follow him. He called other men. And soon there were 12 disciples following Jesus. He went up on that grassy knoll. I was there a short time ago, and today that whole area is covered by banana trees. That's where Jesus sat when it was all grass. And the crowd gathered, and he spoke what is called the Sermon on the Mount. It is the fullest sermon we have in the Scriptures, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus said some very interesting things in that Sermon on the Mount. He began by saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What did he mean? He meant, if you're willing to recognize that you have no power to leave your sin, I'll give you that power. I'll set you free. That's great news. Now, he also said, and I urge you to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He also said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. It's not everybody who says, I'm going to follow Jesus, will ever come under the authority of Jesus. See, there's a big difference between being sentimentally attached to some mystical figure called Jesus 
and recognizing that he's a real man, and today he is a real man. He is a warrior man. He is a strong man. He's a man's man. And this Jesus, he said, look, not everybody who comes to me and says, Lord, is going to allow the authority of God to exercise itself over their lives. You see, the good news is that we can come to Jesus right now. We can give ourselves to him. No, do you hear me? You right now can come to Jesus and say to Jesus, will you exercise your kingdom authority over my life? I grant you total authority over me. See, what Eve did is she said, I'm not going to grant you authority over my life, God. I'm going to take the authority for myself, and I will determine what I'm going to be and do. I spoke to a descendant of Aaron in the scriptures, and I said to him, you're a descendant, a direct descendant of Aaron, the brother of Moses. And he said, yes, I am. I said, do you believe in God? Do you believe in Jesus? He laughed. He sat back in his chair and he said, Pastor, I'm God. I'm as good as it gets. I don't believe in any gods. Well, you can exercise that position. That's one of your choices. But let's be very clear. You are taking the same position that Eve took. And you are saying, I will exercise my own authority over my life, and I am rejecting the authority of Jesus. Now, most people aren't that bold. Most people today, and I wonder if you're one of these, say, oh, I will serve and follow Jesus, but then you will not allow him to exercise that full authority over your life. If you don't allow him to exercise full kingdom authority over your life, in that great day, you will not be allowed to enter the kingdom of heaven. You can say, but wait, I... I did all kinds of things. I gave a lot of money. I went to church. I did good deeds for people. And Jesus will say to you, I don't know you. Now, please understand. If I say to you, go to such and such a place and ask for this man, he is the owner of this business. He's a very dear friend of mine. And I say to you, go there and tell him what your problem is and he will help you. And so you go to that business and you say to the owner of that business, Pastor Ray Greenley sent me and he says to you, I don't know a Pastor Ray Greenley. Who are you talking about? What would your reaction be? You would say to this man, but wait a minute, he told me he's a good friend of yours. I don't know him. I've never heard of him. What would you think? Does Jesus know you? If you have not repented of your sin, totally, completely, he doesn't know you. That's what Jesus is saying. 
Everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. He knew Jesus. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and it beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I don't want your house to crash. I don't want that to happen to you. Now, Jesus did many other things. All through the scriptures of his story, you'll find that Jesus had people coming to him who were in desperate trouble. A man came to him with leprosy. He knelt before him. I'm sure he said what he had to say by law, unclean, unclean, while he covered his mouth. Unclean. But he came and knelt at the feet of Jesus. Now, no one would touch a leper because they didn't want to contract leprosy. It was very contagious. But Jesus reached out his hand and he touched this man and he said, Be clean. And immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Now he was sent to the priest to be examined, to be approved, so that he could go back home and be once more able to go to the temple. Then there was a, a centurion, a Roman centurion, a very powerful man. He had a servant that he loved dearly, like a son. And this servant was laying in his house, paralyzed and in terrible suffering, about to die. He came to Jesus, and he asked for help. And Jesus said to him, Okay, I'll come and heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. If I tell this one go and he goes and that one come and he comes, I say this to my servant, do this and he does it. Jesus was absolutely astonished at the faith of this centurion. He said, I haven't found this kind of faith anywhere in Israel. What I want you to hear is that this man, Jesus, was a heart of love. He had a heart of compassion. His heart was moved by this centurion, a Roman, a, a powerful soldier in command. Jesus loved him. I hope you're hearing something. I hope you're hearing that the good news includes that God loves you. And the good news is he 
He loves you so much he wants to heal you today. He wants you to leave your sin. He wants you to repent. He wants you to turn away from all darkness. But what am I talking about darkness? I'm talking about lying, cheating, cursing, stealing, anger, bitterness, pornography, dissension, all ugliness. Everything about the devil comes out ugly. Everything about Jesus comes out beautiful. Is there something in your heart today that is just tired of walking in opposition to Jesus? And something in your heart that says, I want to be clean. I want to be washed. I want my sins to be forgiven. I want the past washed away. I want a chance to start over. Is there something in your heart that says that? Have you been trapped in your own anger? Are you confused about God? He's not like you. He's not like me. Jesus has a heart of pure love. And he loves you. And he wants you to leave the darkness and come into the light. Totally, completely, fully. Well, the centurion's servant was healed at that very hour. The disciples were following him and he said, let's get in the boat, let's go to the other side. So they all got in the boat, and Jesus has been ministering a long time, and he's very tired, so he lays down. Immediately he's sound asleep, and suddenly a ferocious storm comes on the lake. The wind and the waves were so high, they began to sweep over the gunnels of the boat. They began to sink the boat. And the disciples are panicked. They're fishermen. They know this lake, and they know they can die out there. And they're bailing, and they're trying to get the water out of the boat, but the waves keep crashing over the boat, and it's filling up, and they are in desperate danger. Jesus is still sound asleep. <laughs> they go and wake him. Now, these were not big boats. I've seen a boat that was preserved in the mud of the Sea of Galilee from the time of Jesus, a fisher boat, not a big boat. They woke Jesus up. And they said, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, consider this, he's just waking up. How are you when you just wake up? Are you cognizant of what's going on oh jesus was he said you of little faith why are you so afraid 
See, there was no safer place in the universe than in that little boat with Jesus. There's every evidence that boat was going to sink, but there is no possibility of that boat sinking. I suspect today that some of you are in a boat and it's sinking. And you don't know how you're going to survive. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, you're panicked. What am I going to do? Wake Jesus up. How do you wake Jesus up? You call upon his name. (laughs) They called upon his name. They woke him up. Why are you so afraid? Then he stood up in the boat. The boat's rocking back and forth. He's in danger of being tossed overboard. But he stands up. And he rebukes the wind and the waves. And suddenly it is totally calm. Do you need Jesus to wake up for you today? What would it mean if Jesus were to wake up for you today and begin to answer your prayers? What if the Holy Spirit began to speak to you again? Do you know why the Holy Spirit doesn't talk to you if he doesn't? Because in the past he's spoken to you about repenting and you turned him aside and turned him away and said, no, thank you, I'll keep that sin. And so you've made the Christian faith, if you're a Christian, some kind of intellectual exercise strategies for success sentimental inspiration but Jesus is real and we've got to get to him to the person Jesus today we call Matthew Mark Luke and John the gospels of Jesus but in the day of Jesus after his resurrection They called the literal words of Jesus Christ the gospel. The story of Jesus was the gospel. The disciples said, What what kind of man is this that we're following? They were astonished. They were saved. They were delivered. (laughs) And this man was completely paralyzed and he was dying. They couldn't get him on the stretcher through the door of the house because the place was so packed out. So they went up on the flat roof and began to dig right down through the roof, removing the tiles, removing... I'm sure dirt started to fall down on Jesus, and I'm sure some of the people in the house said some very angry words. But finally there was a big enough opening, and they lowered this man down in front of Jesus. Now it's interesting. They lower him down in front of Jesus, and Jesus says, Son, Your sins are forgiven. Oh, wait a minute. He's paralyzed. Oh, he's paralyzed with sin. He's paralyzed with sin. And there were 
Jewish rulers there. And and they said, what kind of man is this? He's blaspheming. How can he say your sins are forgiven? And Jesus said, oh, wait a minute. Is it harder to say your sins are forgiven? Or is it harder to say, rise up and walk? Just so you'll know, I have authority to forgive sins. Rise up and walk. And the man got up off his pallet, totally healed. I want you to hear today. Jesus has the power to forgive your sins and to heal your body. That's the good news. The story is an awesome story of of mercy and grace. You know, I'm so I'm so heavy of heart today because it seems to me that everyone is so lost. Almost everyone I meet is lost. What do I mean they're lost? I mean they will not submit themselves to the authority of Jesus. Oh, they go to church even, but they don't submit themselves to the authority of Jesus. Instead, they continue to say like Eve did, look, I'll decide for myself what is right and wrong. And surely Jesus would not be against my having this pleasure in my life, would he? And besides, I'm addicted to this pleasure. I can't give it up. You're saying that to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords who came to deliver you, to set you free, who even shed his blood for you? Really? Well, there is going to be an end. He began to talk to his disciples about that end in Matthew 24. And he said in verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Well, what's he literally saying in the Greek? He's saying to grow cold in the Greek means to have a gentle breeze blowing over your life that cools your adder, that cools your passion, that cools your feeling, that cools your desire for Jesus. Until finally you're cold of heart. You know, at the National Prayer Chapel, we have we've gone through some real struggles. But my heart is rejoicing because those who come have made a full commitment to be under the authority of Jesus. To leave all of their sin They do not want to grow cold. Our passion is for Jesus. And we've learned, we've learned a new way to pray. It's the most exciting thing I've ever seen. 
Sunday we prayed this way. Let me describe it for you. When I was some years just waiting before God, I discovered that the only way I could do real prayer was to pray the scriptures. And for me, that meant beginning to read the Psalms aloud before God and then praying the Psalms. It then moved on to the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, and I would pray that prayer and then I would go back and expand that to deal directly with my life. Literally for me, the Bible is my prayer book. Now, what's so exciting that we're discovering at the prayer chapel is that we've made a decision to begin to pray corporately the scriptures. And wow, what a difference it makes. Suddenly the prayer meeting is focused. It's on track. The presence of God comes powerfully. If you want to learn this new way of praying, I invite you to come to the National Prayer Chapel. You'll experience it. You'll never be the same. That is, if you're serious about prayer and you're serious about coming under the authority of this man, Jesus, and you really want him. Now, some of you today that I'm speaking to have never made a full commitment to Jesus Christ. Some of you don't even know very much about him, but you're very interested in the revival of your heart. You know that there has to be a change in you because you're not happy with the way you're living. You're not happy with with how you're acting, with the way you are, with who you are. You want something more. You know there has to be more to life than this deadness you feel in your being. You may be tired of of the drugs or the pornography, or you may be tired of the lying and the cheating and the cursing. You may be tired of just living angry. You want something different. Well, I'm particularly interested in you because the Holy Spirit is moving now to win you to Jesus. He doesn't want to have repent those who are filled with their own self-righteousness and have no sense of their need. He wants men and women who, who see how distant you are from this man, Jesus. He wants those of you who are tired of your wicked life. And please, can I be frank with you? Some of you are very wicked men or women, sexually unclean, drugging, living with somebody you're not married to, maybe even a child out of wedlock. You know you're wicked. But Jesus doesn't come condemning you. He comes to you with compassion and love and mercy, and he says, I love you. I'd like to wash you and clean you. I'd like to change your life so that you can be joyful and happy and productive. 
Jesus wants you. Now the tough question is, do you want Jesus? And frankly, you may say, no, I don't want Jesus, but I want to be free. Well, let me tell you the good news and the bad news. The bad news, there's no way to be free of your sin except through the man, Jesus Christ. Allah won't give you that freedom. He'll just condemn you. Buddha will not give you that freedom. He will just frustrate you. Try harder. Be more pure. But it doesn't work. Hinduism will not answer the cry. God will not answer you. But Jesus will. So he's the only way. And if you want free, you're going to have to come the Jesus way. Now, Jesus he wants the gospel of the kingdom to be preached to the whole world. He wants a testimony. He wants lives lived. Well, this Jesus, he continued healing people. He continued confronting. He continued calling because he was going to be the priestly sacrifice for our sins, the atonement for our sins. The more he taught, the more he healed, the angrier the leadership of Israel became with him, until finally they decided they were going to kill him, they were going to execute him, and they were going to use Rome to do that. So one of his disciples, Judas, is very angry. He's the only one from Jerusalem. He's a sophisticated businessman. He sells Jesus out for 20 pieces of silver. And Jesus is taken captive. He's hauled before the Jewish courts. They finally send him to Pilate. And the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas. He was a wicked man. He was a murderer, coarse and ugly. And Pilate, he didn't want to crucify Jesus. And so he asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Christ? And they answered, Give us Barabbas. Now you're faced with the same question. Which do you want released to you? Your video games that are violent and evil or Jesus? Who do you want released? Do you want your fornication or do you want Jesus? You can't have both. Do you want your drugs or do you want Jesus? You can't have both. Do you want your cursing and swearing and bitterness and anger or do you want Jesus? You can't have both. You can choose Barabbas today if you want. And you can say crucify this Jesus. 
If you choose your sin, you are saying, Crucify Jesus afresh. Please, choose Jesus. That violent video game does not love you. Those drugs don't love you. What are they going to do for you? What has the devil ever done for you? Nothing. But try to destroy your life. What has Jesus done? He's always called you to peace and love and joy, to be clean by his blood. Well, they chose Barabbas and they cried out, crucify him. And Pilate said, well, what crime has he committed? And all they would do is shout, crucify him. This was the innocent son of God. This was the creator of the universe. And they said, let his blood be on us and on our children. And then Jesus was flogged. He was beaten bitterly. His back was ripped to pieces. The most painful flogging a man can endure. Blood was flowing. And then the Roman soldiers stripped him of all of his clothes. They put a scarlet robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his head, this innocent head. And they beat him with rods on his head and drove those spikes into his skull. They spit on him. They punched him. They scorned him. They bowed before him in scorn. And then they took off his robe and they put his clothes back around him. And they led him away to crucify him. The most excruciatingly painful death a man can suffer a death of suffocation but intense pain as the nerves are pierced in the feet and the and the hands they came to Golgotha I stood at Golgotha and wept They nailed him to that cross. And then they lifted it up and dropped it into that hole, causing him intense agony. And then those around that were crying, crucify him, scorned him, saying, if you're the son of God, come on down, prove to us. three o'clock in the afternoon darkness came over all of the land they heard him speaking and said he's calling for Elijah but finally Jesus cried out in a loud voice and he said it is finished the sacrifice was made at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. Now, this curtain was six inches at least thick. It was a huge curtain. It was torn in half with no man's hand. There was an earthquake. And the centurion who was overseeing this crucifixion, he said, surely he was the Son of God. He was placed in a tomb 
he was not there very long. That was Friday. Sunday morning early. He arose in glory and power from that tomb. I'd been to that tomb. And all I could shout was, He is risen. Jesus is risen. This God, Jesus, a man whose heart was filled only with love, who poured himself out and healed the sick, comforted the wounded, forgave the sins, set the captives free. There was a violent earthquake that morning. The angel of the Lord came down from heaven and went to the tomb. He rolled back the stone. Do you understand? Jesus did not need the stone rolled away. He could go through that stone. He was now fully human, but with a divine body. The flesh no longer ruled. He was free. The guards were so afraid, they shook like dead men and fell to the ground unconscious. A woman came, and the angel said, I know you're looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Now come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead. He'll see them in Galilee. Now I'm sure the angels were told to tell him Jesus would see them in Galilee, but you know what? Jesus couldn't wait until Galilee. He loved his disciples. He loved his people. He wanted them with him. So Mary ran and told the disciples. They couldn't believe it. They were astonished. Jesus was risen. We do not serve a Jesus who is in the grave. Not like Muhammad. Not like Buddha. We serve a Jesus who is alive. And he loves you. And he wants you to serve him. That means he wants you to leave the work of darkness. He wants you to leave the sin of your life. He wants you to walk away from wickedness, from darkness. And my heart is so heavy today, as I said earlier, because... Almost every person I meet is lost, even those who call themselves Christians. How can I say that? Because they don't know Jesus. And they've not left their sin. Oh, they know information about Jesus, perhaps, but they have not left their sin, so they don't know Jesus, the person, the man, the God. If you don't leave your sin, you don't know Jesus. To know Jesus is to leave your sin. 
the good news of the gospel is that you are empowered by Jesus to leave your sin because no wickedness can enter into heaven. You can't be in Jesus and in sin. And Jesus wants to come and dwell in you by his Holy Spirit. He wants you to obey everything that he's commanded. (laughs) He wants to set you free. And I look today and the world is so filled with darkness and wickedness. And even many of you listening to this broadcast today have been unwilling to sacrifice everything to follow Jesus Christ. You still have your pride. You still have your opinions. You still have your judgments. You still have self-righteousness. Many of you listening today know you're not right with Jesus. Well, when are you going to get right? Will you do it now? Will you right now say, Jesus, I surrender to you now. Would you please remove every sin from my heart? And now, Jesus, I'm going to begin going through. I'm going to name all the sins in my heart. I'm going to name everything I'm doing that I know your Spirit has told me not to do. I'm going to confess my sins before you, not generally, but specifically. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm doing. And I'm going to ask you to remove that sin from my life. And I'm not going to go back to it. I'm going to walk clean in you, Jesus. I'm not going to go back to my sin. Jesus, I love you. You're everything to me. I can't continue to live this way. I've got to walk in a new way. I've got to walk in your power and your grace and your mercy. Will you do that today? Will you confess your sin today? And will you get right with Jesus? Will you allow him to exercise his authority and his control over you? Will you turn to him now? (laughs) The greatest story ever told. Jesus, the Son of the living God, becoming a man, living among us, healing and restoring us, making provision for us to be washed and made clean, and then calling us to be his disciples, and calling us to begin to work as fishers of men to win others to him. Will you come today? I want to invite you. And I want to pray with you. Lord Jesus, my heart is so stirred today by your love and your mercy, your grace. Your willingness to set us free. 
to wash us and make us clean, that we could start over. Lord, come to each person listening. Lord, no more games, no more pretend, no more choosing our own way. Lord, it's your, it's your way. I pray in your holy name. Amen. This is the last day of July, and we are still $1,165 short of being able to cover July's radio cost. Would you, would you be willing to help? Would you pray about what God wants you to do? What your part is? You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can click on donate and you can give by credit card. Or you can write to us at the National Prayer Chapel. Go to the webpage and there you'll find our address. God loves you. And he's calling you. Will you repent today and be set free right now? God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.